Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Hey, I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever struggled with something God has placed on your heart because you felt like it was impossible? Have you ever seen the plans of God and you thought, well, that's not probable. That may not be possible. I don't know if you know, but I grew up in Maine. Yes, nice and cold. I have wonderful uh, memories of my childhood and I loved playing in the snow, do not like snow now. I am definitely a Floridian. I love the warm weather, but I loved playing in the snow. I loved coming home off the bus stop and stop, uh, stepping at our front door and there would be the styrofoam cooler in front of our uh, front door and I would open it up and it would be just a ton of live lobster because in our church in Maine, we would have lobstermen and uh, they could only keep a certain number. And so what they uh, weren't able to sell, they would tithe to the pastor. Can someone say amen? Um, But I I loved uh, growing up in Maine. But one of the things that I found growing up in Maine is that a lot of people there were um, either raised Catholic and had walked away from the faith, or they were complete atheists. They didn't believe in in God whatsoever. And so as our family moved up there from Cincinnati, Ohio, when I was five years old, we moved up to Maine. It was just an incredible mission field for us to be able to reach out and pour into people and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of those precious people was our doctor. So Dr. Gardner became our physician and, and we would go and see him and he grew up Catholic and, and him and my father just, just had this incredible relationship and they started to go for coffee and just to talk. And, and my dad asked him, he said, you know, George, why, why did you walk away from your Catholic faith? What was it? And he said, and he told him, he said, JD, he said, I could believe in the miracles I could believe in Jesus that he died on a cross. He said, even the resurrection wasn't as big of a deal for me. He said, I had difficulty believing in the virgin birth. He said, as a doctor and and studying biology, it, it was impossible for me to believe. And so I have this question for you today. Has there ever been a plan of God that you've looked at and that you've seen where the improbable and the impossible kept you from truly believing God's plan? My dad, uh, throughout the the years of of being there, would just have coffee with Dr. Gardner. And and one day he said, listen, he he said, George, let me give you a book. And he handed him a book by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And this book was written by a a gentleman who was writing his dissertation. He was getting his doctoral, um, he was writing his doctoral thesis and he was an atheist and he was determined to disprove that Jesus was the son of God. 
Could you imagine that being your doctoral thesis, that you are going to prove that the Bible is not true and Jesus is not the Son of God? Well, wouldn't you know it that throughout his study and throughout his dissertation, he began to realize that the Bible was not only true, but it was God-inspired. And he began to write about how the Lord used his doctoral thesis to show him that Jesus was the Son of God. Do you know that Dr. Gardner took that book and read it and then started to attend our church? And years later, he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the thing that he thought was impossible and improbable became the part that he could give as his testimony to share with others about what God had done for him. Last week, we talked about Joseph. And this week in week two, well, surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about Mary. We're going to talk about the improbable, impossible things that God can do through our life when we are obedient to his plan. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we think, God's plan is possible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today so much for an opportunity to hear your words. And so Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Open up our hearts that we can be receivers of your word. That, Lord, if there are things in our heart and in our mind that, that just bring doubt of who you are and who your son is and what your word says is true, Heavenly Father, today, put those things to rest. We give you liberty and freedom to move in our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in week two of our series, uh, Christmas Characters, and my name is Andrea, and it's just an honor and privilege to uh, serve the Lord alongside you. As, as Ryan said before, um, if, if you're here for the very first time, we just want to say welcome home. We're so glad you're with us today. This morning, if you wouldn't mind opening up your Bibles or your smartphones, and let's look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look through the story of Mary. Last week, we talked about the obedience that Joseph had to walk through in order to just come in line with the purposes and plans of God. And I think that you'll find that through this Christmas story and even throughout the entire Bible, you'll see a theme, just a, a, a way of us to look at scripture and understand the importance of our obedience to the Lord. As we start in verse 26, which is just a little ways down, I encourage you this week, read uh, through the entire uh, chapter one of Luke. It's about 80 verses. So it's a little long, but it'll give you an incredible framework of what we're about to talk about today. Because it starts in verse 26 and it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. And so previously in this chapter, Luke tells us about John the Baptist. 
tells us about the, of the miracle of his life and the miracle of even his birth. Elizabeth and, and her husband were older in age and weren't able to have children. And God blessed them with a child, but not just with a child, but a child that would go before Jesus and proclaim that the Savior is on his way. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. What a powerful statement. Greetings, favored woman. I wonder if Mary looked around to see who Gabriel was talking to. Scholars tell us that probably uh, Mary could have been as young as 12 years old, but probably between the ages of 12 and 15 is, is when in those days that women would be married. And so Mary was young and this angel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She probably looked around to see, who are you talking to? Verse 29 says, confused and disturbed. When I saw this, I thought of myself. Because I'm a morning person. I wake up. I love getting up early. I am not a night person. If you try to talk to me, probably after about 5.30 at night, I don't know if sentences will actually come together. But 5.30 in the morning, I'm, I'm ready to go. Unless someone else wakes me up. See, I can wake up on my own, or I can wake up to my alarm. But if someone wakes me up, I wake up a little confused and disturbed. My husband, he's so sweet. He, he wakes me up every, every Sunday morning because I try not to set an alarm. And... Uh, he doesn't want me to be late for church. And so he'll wake me up. But 25 years later, we've been married almost 25 years. He has learned that when he wakes me up, do you know what he does now? He comes over to my side of the bed with a cup of coffee and he sets it down. And this is what he says, hey, babe, it's time to get up. Your coffee's right here next to you. I I'm like, oh, I can be woken up like that. But Mary gets awakened and she gets spoken to by this angel and she is confused with what he is saying and she is very irritated and disturbed by it. Mary tried to think, this is what it says in verse 29, what the angel could mean. All he said was, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And she couldn't even comprehend what that meant. Have you ever been there? Has the Lord begun to try to speak over you blessing and speak over you purpose? He uses people in your life to share how, how you've inspired them or how you've been used by him. And you're like, who are you talking to? Because sometimes our view of what we can accomplish is based on what we can do. We view ourselves through maybe the words that other people have spoken over us, maybe our own failures, maybe the enemy comes with our shame and our sin and begins to speak it to us over and over again. So that way, when the Lord is trying to break through and say to us, 
favored man, favored woman, the Lord is with you. We get confused. We get disturbed. We don't understand what it means because we're viewing it based off of our own preconceived notions rather than what God is saying. And Mary is confused. She's trying to figure it out. And in verse 30, the angel tells her, don't be afraid for you have found favor with God. What a wonderful statement for Mary to hear at that moment. Young, confused, and she hears the angel of the Lord say, you have found favor with God. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's very interesting Last week, we learned about with Joseph that when the angel came, the angel said to him, don't be afraid. The angel looked at Mary and said, don't be afraid. Now, could it be possible? Yes, that they open up their eyes and there's, you know, who knows, seven foot man standing in their, in their room speaking over them the word of God. I probably would be a little scared too. But I think it's because the presence of the Lord was so strong in that room and the words they were saying did not make sense to them that it began to, to garner and to bring fear of what was about to come. In verse 31, the angel finally shares God's plan with Mary. And this is what he says. The angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Put yourself in Mary's shoes just for a moment. How do you think you would have responded? I love that Mary's response to this was probably a lot like what you and I would respond because Mary went straight to the natural. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel of the Lord begins to speak over her, the plans of God, and her response is, that can't happen. Do we answer the Lord that way sometimes when the improbable and the impossible, he begins to tell us, hey, I, I, want, you to, I want you to call this person and I want you to pray over them. Hey, I, I want you to, to reach out to this person. I want you to invite him to church. Hey, I, I want you to step out and, and, and do something that's outside of your comfort zone. How can that happen? That's impossible. That's not in me. That's impossible. She was unable in the moment to see God's plan from God's perspective. Mary allowed her view of herself to disqualify her from the call of God. Maybe you're doing that now. Maybe God is calling you and you are disqualifying yourself because of your past, because of your abilities, 
Maybe he's calling you to lead a group and, and you think that that's just, I, I can't do that. And maybe he's calling you to, to shape the futures of our kids back in TC kids. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I can't do that. Maybe he's gifted you with something here at church, but you see somebody else and you think, yeah, they can do it better. They don't need me. Maybe he's pushing you and inspiring you to, to, to work with the homeless and, and to start a ministry outside of these walls. And you think, yeah, maybe not. Maybe he's calling you to run for a political office, to be the light in this dark world. And you think, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not sure what God is stirring in your heart, but I do know this, that each of us at times will ask the same question that Mary asked. God, how, how can this happen? How can I do that? Don't you think there's a better choice? Oh, friends, how many times have we said that? Lord, I know the person you meant to tell. You know, the, per the person that sits three seats down for me, that's the person you meant to tell that to. The angel replied to her in, in verse 35. He says, the Holy Spirit, he answers this question. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. The angel answered the how by telling her it didn't depend on her. How you going to do it is it's not going to be you, Mary. It's going to be him. Doesn't that take the pressure off of having to perform? Whenever we understand that all we have to do is be the willing vessel and that God does the work, it takes that pressure to perform off of us. And instead, all we have to do is lean on him. In essence, what God is saying is that we don't have to worry about how the calling will take place. We don't have to worry about how it will happen or when it will happen. All we have to do is know that the Holy Spirit is going to surround us. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow us. The Holy Spirit is going to take over. Because we learned last week that if we are going to walk in the call of God, one of the things we have to do is step out of the way so he can receive the glory. He can receive the honor. Because if it's in our own doing, you know who receives it? me. If it's in my own ability, you know who receives it? Me. You know, Ryan gets to share a lot about his testimony about being an introvert. For those of you that don't know, I'm not one. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> but I do have to say, one of the things that I, I really struggled with was when God called me into, into music. I told you when I was five years old, we moved to Maine. My dad uh, is a pastor, was a pastor. He's retired uh, quite a few times now, but he keeps going back and pastoring again. And um, so he's, he's at a little church uh, in central Florida right now. And um, he was a pastor, but my dad's love is basketball. My dad's six foot four. My mom, uh, my sister is almost six foot. My mom and I are vertically challenged. 
But I grew up playing basketball. I started when I was five years old and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I could not go into a gymnasium without grabbing a basketball and shooting the ball. I ended up playing in college, um, got a, a scholarship to play. Uh, but at the age of 15, the Lord started to nudge me away from basketball and into music. And, and I just kept telling him, this is what I told him, that, but Lord, that's not what I do. I play basketball. That's, that's what I do. That's, that's what I, I'm, I'm good at that. I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm small, but feisty. And the Lord kept pushing me and nudging me to music. Finally, at the age of 21, I stepped out into the call that God had for me. And for 20 years, I enjoyed being a worship pastor and a music pastor. I was so very thankful for that. But when I first started singing in the choir, they would give me a solo. Our, our music pastor would give me a solo. We had two services and our house was you know, kind of around the corner from the church. And I would sing in the first service. I would drive home. I would go into my room. I would bawl my eyes out and beg God to have the music pastor assign that solo to someone else. I would pull myself up off the floor, put my makeup back on because I had cried it all off. And I'd drive back to the church and sing it for the second service. Because it wasn't in my comfort zone. It wasn't what I was trained to do. I had to step out into it. Sometimes when we allow ourselves to disqualify ourselves, we remove the very miracle that God wants to do through us. The angel speaks to Mary in verse 35 and tells her how this is going to happen. And we see in verse 38, Mary's response. Verse 38 says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary's obedience was a direct result of her faith in God's plan. Her faith in who God is. Really quickly, I want to share with you three things about being obedient to the Lord. Because this is one thing that I know. He's going to keep on knocking. He's going to keep on pushing. He's going to keep on prodding you to, to step out until he doesn't. At some point, we have to say yes to what God is telling us to do. To step out to allow ourselves to be used by him. Three things about obedience that we can take away from Mary, and this is the first one. Our obedience to God requires an exchange of our insecurities and our ideas. Do we truly believe in God's plan? Then we need to exchange our insecurities, our ideas, our plans for his. That's what obedience is. It's an act of surrender. We see in verse 34, Mary says, how can this happen? Her insecurities, her ideas, her thoughts. She needed to exchange those in obedience to him. 
The second thing is this. Our obedience to God's plan is dependent on our belief in God's plan. I almost flipped this one. I almost wrote it a different way. I almost wrote our disobedience to God's plan is because of our disbelief in his plan. Oh, that one was a lot. See, I, I made it pretty. I made it fun and nice that we get to be obedient. But when we don't obey God's plan, it's because we don't believe he really means what he says. And I know that's hard for us to, because we're not going to say that out loud. What we're going to say to each other is, oh, yes, God is good. He's got a great plan. Yes, he can do all things. But inside, because our actions don't line up with our words, that really tells us what we believe. Because at the end of the day, we believe that it depends on us rather than him. I love that Mary said yes, that she had faith to believe. She looked at the angel and she said to the angel, may everything you have said about me come true. But one of my favorite verses in the scripture is right in the middle of Luke chapter one. Because she said yes, she was then able to be an example to her cousin, Elizabeth. It says that after the angel left a few days later, she went to Elizabeth's home. And as she walked through the door, as Mary walked through the door, she was carrying Jesus. And as she walked through the door and she spoke, immediately Elizabeth said that John the Baptist in her womb began to jump. And scripture says that Elizabeth was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth began to prophesy over Mary. And she began, she didn't even know the story. It had only happened three days earlier. They didn't have cell phones back in those days, right? It wasn't like she was texting Elizabeth to tell her what had just happened. But she walks through the door and Elizabeth immediately recognizes, why would I be blessed with the mother of our Lord? She knew in that moment that, that Mary was carrying the son of God. And this is what she says in verse 45. Elizabeth looks at Mary and she says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Our obedience to God's plan is a direct result. It is completely dependent on our belief in God's plan. Mary had no idea. She had no clue the significance of what her yes would mean. All she knew is she had heard and she said yes. But there was a significance of that yes in her own life. There was a significance of that yes in her soon-to-be husband, Joseph's life. There was a, a significance of that yes in her sons and her daughters. And friends, there was a significance of that yes in your life and in mine. That God knew we needed Mary to say yes he knew that we needed him in our lives. The significance of her choice 
to believe. wasn't perfect and she came from a little town that honestly people looked down on them 
she failed to see that God could accomplish a purpose through her. But in the midst of it all, she chose to be obedient. And friends, what an impact her obedience had on you and on me. You see, Mary's obedience became my husband's miracle. That in January of 1997, when he was 20 years old, he was on drugs and all the parties were at his house. Mary's obedience walked through the door and showed my husband what salvation and love and forgiveness looks like. Mary's obedience became my miracle at five years old. When I walked forward and accepted Christ in my heart, and I received in that moment the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That my parents said that they had to carry me out of the church because I couldn't stop praying in a heavenly language. That they laid me in my bed and they left the door open and heard me for an hour saying how much I love Jesus and praying in a heavenly language. Mary's obedience became our son Jeremiah's miracle at the age of seven. When sitting in my office one Sunday afternoon, he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Mary's obedience became our daughter Jordan's miracle when right downstairs at seven years old in Miss Donna's impact girls class on a Wednesday night, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Do you know two years later, God used Miss Donna to share the miracle of salvation to our youngest daughter, Journey. And in the same room, at the same age, she shared Jesus with our youngest. I don't think Mary understood. Her yes would impact eternity for all of us. You see, friends, we learn that obedience is, has to be an exchange of our insecurities and our plans. We know that our obedience to God's plan means we have to actually believe that what he says is true. But what we've learned in this story is that our obedience to God's plan can be someone else's miracle. There are people in your home that you work with that are around you that God is desperately trying to get you to be their miracle. 
All we have to do is say yes. You see, Mary was just an ordinary girl. She was shocked. She was a little irritated that somebody would come to her and say that you are a favored woman, that the Lord is with you. But one thing I have learned is that through the obedience of ordinary people, the extraordinary plan of God will be accomplished. See, God has great plans for you and I. And he's not waiting for us to be ready. He's not waiting for us to be worthy. He's not waiting for us to be polished and accomplished. He's just waiting for us to say yes. Because the extraordinary plan of God is accomplished through ordinary people like you and me. Can we stand together this morning? As we pray this morning and in just a moment we'll be dismissed. Maybe you're here today and God has been nudging you. He has been pushing you just a little bit to step out into your calling. But you've allowed maybe your past or your insecurities or your shortcomings and limitations to say, mm, Lord, maybe you're speaking to someone else. This morning, I encourage you, open up your heart and open up your ears and be obedient to the Lord as he begins to share with you his plans for your life. Because friend, I can tell you this, when we say yes, we will become the miracle in someone else's life that they desperately need and desire and they don't even know it yet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this moment and opportunity that you keep knocking and you keep pushing. You keep pulling us to step outside of what we think we can accomplish. Because Lord, you wanna receive the glory and you wanna receive the honor and you wanna be able to impart to ordinary people the greatness of your plan. So Lord, forgive us for not saying yes and give us another opportunity. Give us an opportunity this week to be used by you, to be obedient to your call, to not make excuses of why we can't, but instead fully embrace that you can. That Lord, we will be obedient so someone in our life this week
can receive the miracle they're in desperate need for. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, before we're dismissed, we are so very thankful that you're here today. If you need prayer this morning in the two sides where you see the lights, there, our prayer team is there. They want to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you need to accept Christ today. Maybe you need to come back to a, a, a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. Maybe you have said no over and over again. Let us agree in faith, believing that this week you'll say yes. And I encourage you, Invite someone this week to come with you to Christmas Eve service. Do you know that majority of the time people will say yes to a Christmas and Easter invitation? That that's what people do? It's a, it's a great way for you to invite people. And maybe somebody is already on your heart that God placed on your heart a few weeks ago to invite. And you're like, no, Lord, I, I, I don't think I can do that. What if I get rejected? What if they think I'm weird? What if they say no? What if you are their miracle this week? I encourage you, step out in faith. Allow the Lord to use you this week and be obedient to his call. Listen, friends, we are going to have a great Christmas Eve service. It's going to be so much fun. So I encourage you to be back. Please go and see somebody and pray with them today. And if you are here for the very first time, we'd love to see you at our Connect Center that you can um, receive a gift, but also give a gift to a child in need this Christmas. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Now seal it in our hearts. Go with us and may this week be the best week we have ever had in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.